0: So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to turn to Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Uh, Whether you have a handheld device, a smartphone, a tablet, whatever, old school Bible. If not, no worries. The scriptures are going to come up as I read them as we walk through this message this morning. And so I'm I'm ending a series called Love in Action. We've been walking through the Gospel of Luke. We've been looking at what is love. And love in action is when we put things in action. And so today we're ending that series. is the last sermon in that series series. And the next week, I start a brand new series, Book of Job, called Overwhelmed. And we're just going to talk about what it means to be overwhelmed and how to navigate through that. But today, the title of this message is, is my anxieties. Or how do you handle anxiety? How do you handle worries, especially in a pandemic, especially in the season that we're at? I think this subject should be, is, is, very, uh, is very relevant to what we're walking through, and so Jesus began talking about this issue of worry and anxieties and the dangers of that, and we're going to understand what a worry is and what a legitimate concern is and the difference, because a lot of times there's a lot of confusion there, but Jesus three different times in Luke chapter 12 says, do not worry. It's an imperative, it's a command, I mean, it is a command of scripture. And so when you look at this, you realize when we just read it, we say, you know, if, if I'm honest I worry from time to time right and for some, it's just like an occasional. I mean, for some, it's just an occasional worry. Uh, for others, it's like a career, right? It's like a profession. It is like something you do 24-7. And so when you look at this issue of worry, it can range all the way from the very mild worrier all the way to like some chronic thing to where it's just, it's just it's something that's a big part of your life. And, and for some, it, it's pretty serious, right? Uh, it, it, there, there can be chest pains. There can be dizzy spells. There can be panic attacks. There can be changes in appetite, changes in attitude. Uh, you can isolate, withdraw from, from people. Insomnia to where you have trouble sleeping and all of those other things. And so Jesus begins teaching this, this to us, to them, and because he wanted to free you from worry. He wanted to free you from worry, free you from anxiety, even when you're going through difficult times. In other words, he wanted, he wanted your life to characterize faith, not fear. And we're going to see how those two things work together. Fact is, we're going to see how those two things play in to whether you worry or whether you don't worry. So, that, so three principles that, that Jesus just helped them with, three steps of how do we come to this place to where we don't let our anxieties, we don't let our worries destroy our life and rob us of some things. So three things, three steps. First thing is this, I mean it's kinda, of, kind of the first one's a little bit in your face and we'll walk, walk through it, but the first one is this, you just have to understand worry is a sin. And we just have to come to that place and just understand that this issue of worry, this issue of worry is a sin, and, and, and so the good news in that is this, that if it is a sin, and it is, then it can be overcome. Then it can be overcome with His help. And so when God's word tells us, do not steal, do not cheat, do not lie, do not murder, do not gossip, gossip, do not slander, we get it, right? When we gossip, murder, lie, cheat, and steal, we violate his commands. That's a sin. And the same thing when Jesus says three different times in Luke 12, do not worry. Then when we worry, we got to understand it for what it is. Because three times Jesus makes this a command. A command. And so a lot of times we think that, like a lot of times in society, we have like res- respectable sins that are just kind of okay. And sometimes worry falls into that. Sometimes worry falls into one of those respectable sins that, hey, everybody kind of does it, and it's really no big deal. But Jesus treats this thing totally different. Now, Jesus helps us to distinguish between worry, anxiety, and then a legitimate concern. So we need to understand that, because sometimes we may not understand what worry is and what worry isn't and so Jesus makes a distinction talking about this there's a difference between worry and anxiety and a legitimate concern see a legitimate concern is this is to where you and I focus on probable difficulties probable problems and as a result it produces action in us there's something probable that's gonna happen as a result of that we're gonna do something about it see worry anxiety totally different worry anxiety is this it focuses on improbable difficulties Things that may never take place. And, it fo- and you know what happens? It, inaction. We do nothing. In, in other words, for me, and just in like my simple mind, when I think of worry, it is stewing without doing. It is just like worrying about something. It's just worrying about something over and over. And it never moves you to action. It never produces any action in you. I mean, this afternoon, uh, Karen and I are going to head up to Springs. We, uh, our, one of our granddaughters, Nessa, turns five today, big day, especially for her, because she says she is now a full hand. <laughs> and so uh, and she's, pretty, she's pretty pumped about that. And so this afternoon, we're headed up there. And you know what? When we're with the grandkids, their parents are pretty strict I mean, they, if we go for a bike ride, they require helmets. If we go for a car ride, we've got to put these kids in car seats. And so, you know, my grandparent rule is this. If I drive your kids anywhere... I either use your car where the car seats are already in it. If I use my car, then you move the car seats from your car to my car because I'm telling you, I will lose my religion trying to figure out how to put a, seat, a a car seat in a car. It's insane what you have to And I know it's getting easier, I understand that, but it's still insane, so I won't do it. And so so they're just really harsh, right? You know, helmets when you ride a bike, Seat you know seat things when you when you're in a car now listen jesus never said hey don't worry about anything and so you just live haphazard lives i mean don't be concerned about a safety latch don't be concerned about bike helmets don't wear don't be concerned about wearing seat belts who does that don't lock your doors don't worry about life insurance don't worry about health insurance don't worry about retirement jesus never said anything like this jesus said some things like hey before you build a building count the cost Make sure you can complete the legitimate concern. Make sure you can complete it. And Jesus is also the one that says, hey, look at the ant. Man, the the ant in the summer and the spring is storing away stuff to get through the winter. See, Jesus said, the cure for worry, anxiety is action. Do something about it. See, worriers, when you worry, you live in the land of what if, Right? There's a lot of what ifs, but you you, you, you live in the land of what if. And the way you get out of the land of what if, the way you get out of worry and anxiety is you do something about it. If you're worried about a test that's coming up, you study. If you worry about the finances, right, and you're worried about your finances, then guess what? You get a budget. You do something about it. You make sure you're not spending more than you're bringing in and all those other things. If you're worried about your health, you exercise You eat more beef. (laughs) That was a joke. You go to the doctor. You do something about it. If you're worried about your marriage, you communicate, you talk, you go to a counselor, a pastor, whatever you have to do, you do something about it. If you're worried somebody's mad at you and you've like offended them, it's not stewing without doing. Guess what? You pick up the phone and call them. You ask them, "Have I done something to offend you? What's up? Why is this? Why did you say this? You, you do something about it." See, that's not worry. Listen, worry is is not a legitimate concern that results in action. Anxiety focuses on things that are uncontrollable, improbable circumstances that take no action. I mean, it's always living in the land of what if. I mean, just living in this land of what if. What if they're mad at me and you do nothing about it? What if, what if I'm not a good friend? What if I'm not a good parent? What if I wasn't a good dad? What if I wasn't a good mom? What if I'm not a good employee? What if the stock market crashes? What if I get cancer? What if I get sick? What if my grandkids get sick? What if the company goes under? See, when you live in the land of what if, I'm just telling you, you focus on things you cannot control and you cannot change. See, that's what gives you anxiety. Is when you're trying to focus on something that you cannot control and you cannot change. And Jesus said, don't be anxious like that. Don't live like that. I mean, it destroys your peace. It destroys everything. And he gives us several reasons. This is why I love the scriptures. Because the scriptures give us several reasons. See, the scripture does it. This is why I love scripture. Whenever there's a prohibition, there's always a prescription. Prescription. Wouldn't it be frustrating if Jesus just said don't do that and didn't tell you how not to do that? In Scripture, whenever there's a prohibition, there's a prescription, what you have to do. And so Jesus gave us several reasons why we shouldn't do this. He He said, this issue of worry, it wastes time and energy. Now, if you're a worry, you know this. It just sucks the life out. It just wastes time and it wastes energy. Jesus went on, verse 25, and says, In which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life. I mean, it's focused on something you can't control. To, for me, the way I understand it, worry is like me going out and getting in my truck, starting it up, revving up the engine, but it's still in neutral. I'm going nowhere. I'm just wasting a lot of energy. I'm wasting a lot of gas, and there's no production. Corey Tim Boone said this about worry. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its drinks. You worry when you could have been sleeping. You worry when you could have been enjoying your friends. You worry when you could have been enjoying the game unless you're a cowboy fan and we have all kinds of anxiety. You worry when you could have been deepening relationships. Has this ever happened to you? You're going through a tough time, whether it's at the office or whatever in life, and you're with your family on the weekend or with your family on a vacation. And you're stressed and you're anxious and you're living in the land of what if. What if it happens on Monday? What if Tuesday? What if Wednesday? Whatever. And so, and then you come off a of vacation, you come off of the, the weekend, and all of a sudden it was improbable circumstances. It never happened. And you look back on that weekend and that vacation, you're oh man, I could have had a wonderful time. It could have been unbelievable with my husband, my wife, my family, my kids, my friends. I wasted a day, a week, worrying about something that never happened. And so another thing it says that worry also impairs your personality. It changes your personality. And I never will forget when I started out preaching um, and it was my turn to preach and I was assigned to, pre- to preach, the, the Karen didn't like it a whole lot. Like two days before or three days before I was going to preach, I started worrying with, would they like me? Would I say the right thing? Would I say something stupid? Well, that's probable. And so, uh, so <laughs> it would change my personality. Listen, when you worry, it changes your personality. When you worry, you're not a lot of fun to live with. You're not a lot of fun to be around. Why? Because you just want to talk about what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? And there's really no answer to that. Worry also erodes your health, and we know this from doctors, and doctors can tell us this, that, that worry can, can give us all kinds of stress-related illnesses, whether it's, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it's ulcers, whether it's heart attacks, whether it's insomnia. Uh, fact is, there was an article recently came out last week, USA Today. I don't remember where the article was, was written from, but the, 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 the article was about this group of dentists that were practicing in another area of the country. And they were saying that they're seeing a higher rate of people coming in to see them with either cracked teeth or teeth that are totally broken off. And they said the only thing they can come up with, the only reason for that is more and more people through the pandemic, through this time, are grinding their teeth at night to the point it's stress fracturing their teeth or it's breaking their teeth off. So you look at this issue, worry, worry can erode your health, but worry also hurts your witness, especially to people who don't know Christ. Jesus went on in verse 11, and he says, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious. There's that word anxiety, worry about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. In other words, if you're anxious about bad things happening to you, then it's evidence to the the world and maybe to people around you that you may not believe the promises that God has given you. You may not believe those things. Here's another one. Worry often can distort our judgments and result in wrong behavior. That ever happened to you? To where you're worried and you're stressed and all of a sudden you, you had poor judgment or, or wrong behavior that was like hurtful to others. And You say, hey, I'm just stressed. I was just worried. The fact is, there's a story just recently happened to me. It's hilarious, but it came out of Indiana. There is this man that goes out and buys a brand new, fully loaded Ford Explorer. Well, three months into the, having the vehicle, three months into the whole deal he realizes you know what he couldn't afford it maybe he should have had a legitimate concern right and so so he realizes he can't afford this Ford Explorer so now he's he's living in the land of what if and one night he's thinking that I'm not going to be able to make my payments And if I can't make my payments they're going to come they're going to repossess my vehicle you know my credit credit rating's going to be like destroyed. I won't be able to get to work. And so all of a sudden he comes up with this plan. The next morning he gets up and he drives to like a lonely country road in Indiana. And he decides he's going to crash his, his Ford Explorer into a tree, total it out, claim it on insurance. Insurance is going pay it, to pay it off and he'll be set free of this whole problem. So he goes out on a lonely road, cinches up his life vest, uh, life vest his seat belt, and hits a tree at 35 miles an hour gets out, assesses the damage, and realize probably not totaled. So he gets back in the car, he backs up, and he gets another run and start at the tree. This time he hits the tree at 45 miles an hour. Hits the tree, gets out, looks at the vehicle, and says, obviously I've totaled it out now. Dials 911, calls it in to the police, right? It took the police an hour to get there. Police finally show up, and asked the man says, you know, what happened, sir? And he says, I don't know, officer. I was traveling on this, ro- this dirt road about 45 miles an hour. I must have dozed off. I hit a tree. And, and the officer goes, well, that's really interesting. And he goes, well, why is that interesting? And he says, well, like, like 10 minutes before you called this in, before we received your 911 call, we got a 911 call from the farmer down the road. And he called in and said there's this individual in a white Ford Explorer crashing his car into a tree and he was worried the guy was suicidal. That wouldn't be you, would it? <laughs> guy goes, I don't know, officer. And he goes, well, let me tell you this. If you claim this on insurance, that'll be fraud. And you'll go to jail. So now this man has a car he can't afford and a car he can't drive. Because they're not going to fix it. Worry can, it can impair your judgment. It can distort your, It can cause wrong behavior. Here's another one. Worry is an insult to God. The primary reason that we're anxious and we worry is because if we're honest, we want to control everything and everybody. Jesus is going to connect the two in a few minutes as we just read through this. See, if we're honest, it's a control issue. If, there, if we're honest, we just want to control everybody around us. We're going to control the future. I'm in charge of my future, so I'm going to control everything. And if things don't happen the way I think they should, then you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to worry and I'm going to be anxious. See, worry at its root is a control issue. And, and Jesus said, you know what? That's behaving like the pagans. And so he goes on, verse 28. And he said, but if, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Two times Jesus connects worry and anxiety to faith. And he says, you know, it's a faith issue. The reason that we worry is because of lack of faith. Lack of faith, trusting in God to control everything, that he is sovereign rather than, rather than us trying to control everything. See, see, worry simply says, God, I don't think you're going to do the things that you said you're going to do. God says, I will supply all of your needs. God, I don't think that will be true with me. God says, I will see that all things work together for good for those that love him. Worry says, you know what, I'm sorry, I don't think that's going to be my experience in life at all. I don't think you're going to keep your promise. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you till the ends of the age. Worry says, I don't even know what's going to happen to me when I die, I don't know. Oswald Chambers, who I, who I read from a lot, he said this, that, that, that worry is spiritual infidelity. Worry is connected to faith. Worry is connected to, to trust. And, and in, in, in the season, it just seems like there's such so much attention on the book of Revelation, right? People posting Facebook, you know, sermons and everything else. There seems to be so much focus. And let, let me tell you something. The, the focus of the book of Revelation is not what we think it is a lot of times we make it something scary beast and dragons and all this stuff happening in 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 the end of the world listen listen I believe and I know Jesus is coming back but the focus of the book of Revelation is not on that the focus of the book of Revelation is Jesus is the Christ he's the Lord whatever you go through you can trust him and you can just trust it is not a scary book do you realize what was going on in that time and it speaks so much of the times that we're coming in, but, in, but maybe not the reasons you think. That, but What was happening is a church is like in persecution. And the churches, I mean, people have been martyred. They take Apostle John, and they take Apostle John, and they take him out, and they, martyr, they try to martyr him for his faith. They boil this man in oil. He miraculously survives. He lives. And as a result of that, they didn't know what to do with him. So you know what they do? They take him to the Isle of Patmos, and they stuff him in a cave, and they leave him there to die. You know who shows up on the scene? Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I have a revelation for you. And go back, and you tell my church, you tell my people. And all of a sudden, he gave them a word that regardless of what you go through, you can trust me. Regardless of what you go through, I will be with you. I mean, seven different times in the book of Revelation, he is the Christ, he is the Lord, you can trust him. For the first 300 years of of church history, do you realize the book of Revelation was the most widely read book because it brought comfort and and peace to the people? That's why the first chapter, verse verse 2 says, blessed is the one who reads it, blessed is the one who hears it. Then why does it scare us so bad when we read it? Maybe because we don't totally understand it. And we don't understand the culture. We don't understand the context. Listen, I am so tempted just to take five nights, one night a week, five weeks, and just lecture all the way through it for, for about 90 minutes and just say, hey, let's just open up the scriptures together. Let's, let's read this as the first hearers would read this and how it encouraged and how it strengthened them. See, this issue of worry when you understand that God is in control. See, here, here's the problem. So many times we just excuse this away and say, hey, you don't understand. I'm just a worrier. I'm from a long line of worriers. My mama worried. My grandfather worried. My dad worried. Man, I grew up in a family. We're always talking about what ifs. And that's just my temperament. That's just who I am. and I am telling you, you're in luck because that can be overcome. Through Christ... That can be overcome. The second principle is this you have to develop a realistic trust in the province of God. You have to develop a realistic trust in the sovereignty, the plan, the trust of God. See, see that, that's what the book of Revelation is about. That God has given, he has a plan, he has a hope, and he has a future. He has a plan, he has a hope, and he has a future. And a result of that, regardless of what happens, you can trust him. And so when you look at this, you have to develop a realistic trust in the province of God. And to illustrate this, it's so fascinating. I don't know if you've ever caught this ever before, but he uses, he uses two of the most insif- insignificant Creatures, plants of his creation. Watch this. It's just fascinating. Verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? You know what a raven is? A raven is a scavenger. I mean, it's interesting. He didn't say an eagle. He didn't say a red-tailed hawk. He didn't use some majestic, you know, popular creature bird he uses a raven a raven is a scavenger a raven is a vulture a raven lives off roadkill in their time our time one of the most unappreciated birds of all time right whenever whenever the raven showed up in their time people did not appreciate them and yet you don't see a raven pacing back and forth at night worried there's not going to be enough roadkill on i-25 the next morning right they're not checking their weather app just hoping the weather's going to be fine so they eat tomorrow you can watch the you can watch the Discovery Channel and you can watch a special on ravens and you will never find a raven's nest and connected that is a is like another nest where they're over there storing food or they're packing meat in case that they don't have any road roadkill the next day. You don't see ravens stressing out that they don't have enough and yet Jesus says if I provide for them even the raven even the vulture even the scavengers how much more will I provide for you? And then he goes in and talks about a plant. It was fascinating. So, watch this, verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, he didn't use it right. He didn't use a rose bush. I mean, he didn't use a rose bush where you got to cut it and, you know, prune it and fertilize it and water it. You got to cut it back before it, it freezes. It just takes a lot of work. No, he uses a lily. You know what a lily was in their time? In fact, as you can go to Israel and you can see them all over, it is like a weed. It is a vine. It grows up walls all over. It is, not, it is not a fancy plant. In fact, it is an annoying plant in Palestine and in Israel. And all of a sudden, he says, you know what? You are more important. You are more important than that weed. You are more important than that vulture. And how much more will I provide for you if I provide for them? You know what he's asking, it's really a confrontational question. You know what he's asking them? How much more evidence do I need to provide for you? For you trust me. Before you know that I'm going to provide for you. How many times are you going to have to sit down in the evening to a meal? And know that I'm going to give you enough to eat? How many articles of clothing are you going to have to hang in your closet? before you say, God's going to provide enough for me to wear? How many nights will you have to go to bed with a roof over your head and safety and security to know that God's going to provide for you? How many prayers in your life are going to have to be answered before you say, God is faithful and you can trust him? How much stuff are you going to have to accumulate before you can come to the place and say, you know what, I'm truly content? Truly content with what God has given me. See, so we have to be realistic when we look at this issue of trust and 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 the providence of, of God. And we have to be honest, we have to be real about that. God's providence and God's will does not exempt us from difficulty, from pain, from hurt, from, from loss. I mean, you, you can consider the birds, right? Jesus made that clear. The birds, the plant. What happens to birds? They die. I mean, I'm picking up birds all the time in my front yard. I don't know what's up with these birds, but sometimes like a hawk has gotten them and, and there's just like remains, that's my job. And sometimes it's a nest and eggs are everywhere. Sometimes like a squirrel gets in, in all these, other, they, they die. See, some people, some people will tell you, you know what the best way to get rid of anxiety and, 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 and worry? Get it out of your mind. Just act like it doesn't exist less. And if that's you, then your peace, your joy is going to be short-lived. The best way to overcome worry is not to try to get it out of your mind. The best way to overcome worry is just to face the truth. It's true. We're going to go through difficulties. It's true. We're going to have problems. It's true. People die and couples get divorced and kids have accidents and, and, and stock markets will crash and economies and illness and cancer and, and, and horrible things, right? We live in a fallen world. Horrible things happen. And Jesus was the one that said, you know what? When you go through difficulties, I'll strengthen you from where? From within. You will go through tribulation. You will go through problems. You will go through trouble. But take heart. What Jesus is, take heart. Guess what? I've overcome. Back to revelation, right? Back to revelation. Take heart. I've overcome. I've got a plan. I've got a hope. I've got a future. God's providence means that God is going to reinforce you through whatever comes your way. And you learn to trust in God's providence. And it, it, Listen, this is not some Pollyanna faith. This is not some sh- shallow faith. It's is not saying nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. It's, it's, it's like whatever happens to me, even death, he is with me. Regardless that I walk through and I can trust him, the third and the last step is this. You have to keep your spiritual focus every day. That's why we life journal here. That's why we daily read scripture here. That's why right now, that's why we're praying through the Psalms every service. I mean, that's anybody that does word of encouragement, that's their assignment. You better give us a Psalm. You better pray us through the Psalm. You better strengthen us. Because listen, that's one of the ways to get rid of worry. It's so one of the ways to get rid of anxiety is just remember the promises. And so verse 29 through 32, and Jesus says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. That's what the pagans do. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, what? Seek his kingdom. These things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. And so all of a sudden he's connecting fear and worry together. Lack of faith. For it is your father's good pleasures to give you the kingdom. The reason we worry, I believe, the primary reason, listen, is we get our focus off the wrong, onto the wrong things. We get our focus off of God. We get our focus off the kingdom and we get our focus onto things that we can't control, we get our focus onto the primary. Whatever is your focus will drive you. If your focus is financial security, it really doesn't matter how big your 401k is, how big your retirement is, how much insurance you have, you'll worry about it because you're ultimately, you understand you're totally out of control. We can have a disaster that could wipe all of that out overnight. If your primary focus is your health, doesn't matter how much you exercise and how much oatmeal you eat. You're still going to worry about your health. Why? As you get older, you're going to worry about your health. If your focus is primarily your children, you're going to worry about them the rest of your life because you cannot control them. As much as you would like to, as much as I would like to, you cannot control them. And Jesus is saying you have to get your focus off this world. And you have to get, in other words, he begins talking about laying up your treasures in heaven. Laying up your treasures in heaven that, is, that, that will not pass away. That's where it comes from. Listen, I, I've got these birds. And for the last several years, I mean, it's just nuts. They, they, they In the spring... They fly up under our deck, and they build a nest, and I can tell the whole construction project is going to go south every year. I mean, they start building nests in a certain area. I know the foundation isn't stable. I know it's not going to end, end well for the birds. For whatever reason, I've, I've let them do it the last few years. They build their nests. Something happens. They lay their eggs. The weight, the wind, the, 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 the nest falls over, and I mean, it's a mess. It is a mess on the back patio, and I've got to clean it up. Sometimes, they're able to make it all the way to where they have some, some, like some babies and then, then that's really a mess when they're all laid out and someone has to go out and deal with it, usually me. Well, this last year, I'm like, this is insane. Somebody has to end this. I don't even know why these birds show up every year and do the same thing over and over. And they expect different results. I mean, don't they know what happened last year? Don't they know how traumatic that was last year? It was traumatic for me. And so, I, I, so this time they started building their nests. This last spring, they started building their nests. They, they launched the construction project. They're building away the mama bird, the daddy bird, and the whole thing's going down. And so I'm like, "Karen, I'm going to end the madness right now." And so I go out there, I get a broom, and I knock I the construction project down. They were, I mean, they were not happy, right? The mama bird was relentless for three days. she would stay out there and squawk like I'd done something wrong. I'm like, "I'm trying to help you." And so what I noticed was, fascinating enough, a few days later, they started building a tree in our neighbor's pine tree, and they had a successful family. Woohoo, I won, right? I wonder. I wonder if God is having to shake your foundation right now so you would learn where you need to put your trust. I wonder if we're going through a season. I mean, that's why verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure just to give you the kingdom. If you're working through anxiety and worry, then you need to take action, right? If you don't know Jesus Christ, then you need to accept him and ask him to come in your life because I'm telling you, you will never be strengthened from within without a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. You've accepted him and asked him to come in your life, forgiveness of sin, and give you the newness of life. See, this is why we have to go through the promises. I'm just going to read just a few, and we're going to close. Psalm 3, 5 says, I lay down and slept, and I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. And I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Psalm 46, 1 and 2, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes our foundation needs to be shaken. So we can realize where we put our trust. We've realized where we put our strength. And we have realized when the foundation is shaken that guess what? We can only put our trust. We can only put our hope in him because he has a plan. He has a hope. And, he has a, and we have a future. And we learn. We just learn to live one day at a time. Matthew 6, 34. He just closes this out. And he says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Live one day at a time. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your relationships. Enjoy the blessings of today, and let tomorrow take care of its own. And if you have a legitimate concern, take the proper action. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes? Let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? And more importantly, what is your next response? Every one of us has a next response. For you, it may be accepting Him and just coming to the place, whether you're in person service, whether you're watching online, or you just accept Him and ask Him to come into your life and forgive you your sins. And if you need to take that step, there are several ways you can do it. There's a QR code on the seat in front of you if you're in person. You can scan that. You can fill out a connect card. You can let us know if you're watching online. You you can click the live prayer button, and a prayer partner will will join you in a virtual room. Or you can click connect card, and you can fill that out, and we'll get in touch with you. But maybe you've done that. Maybe your next step is to say, you "You know what, Lord? I'm going to win over this issue of anxiety and worry, and I'm going to learn to place my trust in you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that we can gather together in person and online. And we can worship you. We can be strengthened by your word. Father, would you give us peace? Would you give us strength? Would you strengthen us from within as we trust you? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.